You're listening to the Boca Banter Photography Podcast with Joe High and Chris Golden. On today's show... I definitely play a lot faster and looser when it comes to uh, to culling photos, specifically. Oh, yeah. I, we don't need that. We can take this. This looks great. Yep. Do, 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 yep. do, do. I'm just not worrying about it. I, I totally approve of, of drinking while editing. <laughs> it's all coming up on Boca Banter. Welcome, everybody, to Boca Banter. Chris, how are you doing? Boy, you know, it's funny. Uh, I'm sitting here with a cold, damp towel around my neck where two weeks ago it was snowing outside. Yeah, I think last time we recorded, we were saying, boy, isn't it weird having winter in May? And now we're in like, what, 87 degrees? Yeah, it's uh, 90 here. And uh, that might not be too bad to a lot of our listeners, but to us upstate New Yorkers, getting hit from 90 to 60 overnight is uh, quite a slap in the face. Our pasty white skin can't take it. Yeah, I've already got a burn from being out in the sun for maybe an hour yesterday. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have some news that might cheer you up. Sure, hit me with it. Well, my friend, this is Boca Banter episode 10. Hey, not too bad. Yeah, we made it to 10 episodes. And we haven't killed each other yet. Nope, but I mean, to be fair, about eight of those were remote, so even if we wanted to, we couldn't. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) but um yeah 10 episodes so i know that was the goal initially was to make 10 episodes and just see how we were doing from there so i guess we'll have to see how we're doing after this airs yeah i mean uh we've kind of shared it among our small community of friends and family and stuff like that and you know some folks do tend to like to listen so i've heard some genuinely like yeah we enjoy it we enjoy it so uh, we haven't horribly offended anyone yet not horribly. How have you been enjoying the non-winter weather? Uh, mostly gardening and other outdoor activities. The uh, The downside to having a 90, 9 to 5 in your own office is that, you know, I can't leave and go anywhere for entertainment. I can't go to the movies or anything like that. So my house is my entertainment. And uh, some days are good. Some days uh, you want to step out into traffic. But uh, Oh, Chris, don't say that. <laughs> It's uh, it it's tough, and it's hitting a lot of people where they didn't realize they were vulnerable. But I've been keeping myself sane by spending a lot more time outdoors and trying a garden for the first time in my life. I think it's good. We went camping to get our, our respite. I mean, Rhea runs uh, our garden as well, so that helps. But we went out, and we're like, let's go, let's camp, let's turn off our phones, let's be outside. I think going outdoors, as as I've said before, is a great way to stay sane, keep your creativity up, and keep your sanity from being from slipping. Yeah, and uh, it also helps that you guys picked out a beautiful location too. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh, the right by those waterfalls there. That's that was gorgeous. It was a really nice natural white noise too, because we had the baby with us. So baby Jade. Uh, it's, I don't know if it was, I think it was because she was outside, not just because there was white noise of the waterfalls, but she slept so well. She took so many naps. She was so happy the whole time. She just, she rocked it. That's awesome. She thrived. For a, what, four month old? Four months. Yeah. Not too shabby for a first time spending the night outside. Yeah. The biggest concern for us was making sure that she had some way of sleeping in a tent. 
uh, that would keep us from like if a, if a pillow moved over, you know, we didn't want it to cover her face or something. So we put her in a laundry basket between us. <laughs> we made like a little <laughs> sure blanket nest. No, she was all, she was cool with it. She woke up in the mor- morning and was just like, wah, ah, wah, just making little cooing noises. It was awesome. We were so happy that she enjoyed it because we really enjoyed camping. And it was very refreshing to, to get outside and, and see a lack of masks and signs that say, you know, cover your face and stay safe and all of this stuff that's just fear inducing. Yeah, it's uh, it's a little oppressive to see all that signage out there at the same time. It was a bad time to pick up the uh, the novel 1984. I probably shouldn't have added that to my books to read list. Oh, what's that about? <laughs> it's just a uh, kind of totalitarian government. I don't know if you ever heard the phrase Orwellian where like it's just total control. Big Brother is watching you. They have posters up oh. all over the place. That oh, kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Very bad time for that. Not, not the same <laughs> uh, not the same message but the same kind of oppressed feeling. But yeah, it, it, yeah. I'm sure it was nice to get out there even though there were comically uh, social distancing signs placed up throughout the woods where you guys were. Yeah, I was like what? Like, what are you supposed to do? We're hiking. We're I'm in the middle of the woods. as far out as I can possibly be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> going along with that, I have decided that the print that I'm going to feature in the photo that I take for this month's challenge, this month's photo mission, is photos of the falls that was at that campsite that you and I both saw. Um, oh. So... That's the, I know that we said that next time we record, we have to have something to show. I, I don't have something to yeah, show. Yeah, we're pretty bad at this. Yeah, but I did order the prints. Okay. I did, I did go to my lab. I did go to Vlad and, and say, hey, I want a, a prints of this photo and this photo because it's actually two photos. I'm going to print them both and I'm going to feature those prints in the, in the photo that I take with the 200 millimeter. So I've taken at least a step, but I don't have something to show for it yet. Sure. Does that count? I, I would say so. Any progress towards a goal is still progress. Okay. Even if yeah, it's I not knew finished. we were going to be recording, so I'm like, Vlad, Vlad, get these printed. Just, just so I can say I told you to print them. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he'll do a great job. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was thinking about you with this because I know that you said it was very refreshing for you to join us for the, the fire that evening. I know you didn't stay um, overnight, but you, you sat across the fire from us. Yeah, it was very enjoyable. I'd never been to quite a scenic uh, location like that. I mean, the waterfall was literally like a stone's throw away. I don't know how you found the place, but it was absolutely beautiful. And uh, I can imagine that Jade slept like a baby just because... <laughs> she, yeah, she did. But, uh, <laughs> she always does. That's true. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the waterfall must be great. I bet you, you guys should uh, look into like a little white noise app on your phone. That kind of simulates yeah, a waterfall started, and see if that we helps. We started doing that more when, when we got back is turning on a white noise. There's a little lullaby, like an eight-hour loop of a lullaby that we found on YouTube. It's a very specific tune, and it puts her out every time. But it has to be that lullaby. Ooh, it's so weird. That's so great. We're, hopefully that or white noise will help out. But it's like the magic tune. You know, mm-hmm. it's amazing. But I had a question for you. Yes. And I wanted to I wanted to hit, it, hit you with it while we're recording because I want to see your reaction. Um because you 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 said before you would be interested in going out on a camping trip for the purpose of photos, right? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So, Chris, would you be interested in going out to do photos in the Adirondacks? 100%. Absolutely. I, I don't care where I'm going out to take photos at this point. I just need to leave. Okay, Chris. Would you be up for going out 
for the purpose of escaping and doing photos in the Adirondacks if we went there and came back in the same day? Well, it, it kind of depends on where you're talking about because the Adirondacks is very large and depending on where you're talking about, it could cover a very large distance. Okay, Chris. Well, what if we would you be interested in going to the Adirondacks for the sake of escaping and taking pictures possibly coming back in the same day if we got there on a small personally flown plane whoa um yeah yes <laughs> okay <laughs> absolutely this, is, this has become an option for us uh, wow okay this has become an option for us who I, on earth I know have you been guy? networking with oh my goodness i love networking <laughs> so this is interesting i was doing drywall for a friend as a job because my normal job is shot right now because weddings don't happen so i've been picking up odd jobs one of which was drywall and the other guy i was working with is a um pro uh, what is the word i'm looking for he has his private pilot's uh permit or license wow okay so he's working his way up to his commercial license where he could actually fly for an airline and he needs to get time flying these small planes so he's actually done this before where like friends from church or whatnot will they'll go with him and they'll split the cost of renting the plane and they'll fly to the adirondacks hang out for the day and then they'll fly back out of like a a, a rented small airport or something like that yeah like the one that we that is by that's in painted post costas gotcha okay wow that's incredible yeah and so he's just this been is an ferrying option. people back and forth yeah basically because he needs to get the time in flying uh so he already knows how to fly but he has to you have to reach an x amount of hours flying uh privately before you can qualify for your commercial license so it's not like he's learning how to fly he just has to get enough flight time in to fly a bigger plane i guess sure right okay so i asked him like well hey would you be interested in taking me and a buddy up to the adirondacks so we could take some pictures and then flying us back and he's like yeah we just split the cost of the plane wow that and that's it seems like an incredible opportunity wow well i want to do it okay yeah it's on okay <laughs> i don't know when but we're Boy, gonna you, do it you never really know exactly who it is that you're talking to and that, that's why it's just so important to kind of get your name out there and you know just be a, a social person because you never know what kind of opportunities you're going to get just from talking with somebody yeah it, it's it's interesting um even just online presence sometimes you put you do things on your website and you make blog posts or whatever and you th think like it's just a drop in the ocean never doing anything and then you get other times where like i don't know if you heard but Rhea and i were actually on the news recently actually you did hear we were telling you about that right yeah uh tell me a little bit more about that well they they found uh Rhea's name when searching for wedding experts in the region because the news station wanted to do a story on how covid19 has been affecting the wedding industry so they were they he googled wedding experts and found Rhea's name and called her up and said i'd like to interview you for this story and she said cool can i have my husband on too so we were both on the local news for this story and i'm like well that's great publicity and it just kind of came out of nowhere how awesome is that 
Yeah, that's a nice little pat on the back for all your SEO work you've been putting in. Yeah, I I uh I enjoyed it. I was like, finally, we have some some positive marketing that's happening now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even just a subconscious thing, you know, just hearing, you know, Radiant Events and Joe High Photography, you know, it kind of yeah. sticks in the back of your mind and you might not even think about it until you actually, actually go to search for something that's relevant to it. And they actually quoted me in the article on the the news article and and after the quote it said, Joe High photographer and co-owner of radiant events wow which ria wasn't too happy about because that's not actually my title <laughs> congratulations on the promotion oh i know yeah i just i i bought half the stocks you know so we're, now we're we're in this together <laughs> <laughs> time to change to a partnership i guess so i guess so so that was fun that was things we're doing camping was fun news report was fun and i wanted to ask you about the uh the flight option we could actually go and camp too he said if you want we could go and we could we could camp so you could catch like sunset and sunrise because he can't fly at night yet he's not allowed to sure you got to get to a certain amount of hours for that i guess so uh if we wanted to get like sunset and sunrise we'd actually go and we'd camp overnight and do it that way very cool but that's an option too you into that oh absolutely yeah i mean you never know when opportunities like that are just going to pop up so that's that's an opportunity we'll make that happen okay so changing gears I thought that I would introduce a new segment into the podcast, this being episode 10. You and I have a tendency to go down rabbit trails as we speak. Well, the podcast is called Boca Banter. It's not always stay on photography topics. Right, right, right. I thought we could give ourselves even more freedom in that and just make a segment that was specifically for something that had nothing to do with photography. Are you open to this? Absolutely. Okay. Then I'd like to talk about the scotch that I got this weekend and tried it out because it was amazing. (laughs) So scotch, nothing to do with photos. We got a bottle of Laphroaig 10, 10 10-year aged Isla single malt scotch. You familiar with this at all? I recognize some of those words. Uh, It is fantastic. It is glorious. It is like, it is like swallowing a wood shop with like leather and smoke and all things masculine right here (laughs) (laughs) but but this is what i wanted to show you because i i would gladly pour you some of this right now if we weren't doing this over remote but i'm sure that we'll have some at a point when we actually can meet in person once again certainly but check this out so they give you this little pamphlet with every bottle of this lefroy Friends welcome, it says. Each bottle of Laphroaig also comes with the gift of friendship. As a friend of Laphroaig, you will be given a lifetime lease on a numbered plot of our land. One square foot. That runs, runs alongside all our important water source, the Kilbride Stream. If you visit us, you can view your plot and crucially claim your ground rent of a dram on Laphroaig. To become a friend... and claim your plot they they give you a website and they give you a specific reference number to go and literally claim a one square foot plot on their land wow where they make this whiskey what are you gonna do with yours i i think now i have to visit it at some point it's your baby (laughs) you gotta do something with it it. (laughs) It cost me 70 bucks (laughs) um that was so much fun though 
And I mean, we already wanted to go to Ireland and, and everything. So now we just have one more stop to do. We have to stop at the Lafroy Distillery. I'm like, what a brilliant marketing. Yeah, good call. Thing. Like, well, even you if you don't go to the, the distillery or vineyards around us did something like that, it would be, it would be so cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just never thought of doing something like that. Now you just have that little fun thing to do and it drives you right into their distillery. I mean, it's brilliant. That's pretty cool. It's kind of like, uh, those star registry things. Like it's, it, it'll come up in conversation maybe two or three times in your life, but someday you'll be able to pull out, well, I own land in Ireland, Scotland, Scotland. <laughs> Ireland is Irish whiskey. Scotland is Scotch. Oh, that makes sense. I, I can't wait to have you try some of this, though. This is this is so cool, and it's like payback for all of those excellent whiskeys that you've given me to sample. Mm-hmm. Let me ask you a question: you Do you ever edit after you've had a few too many? Are you asking me if I'm drunk right now? Because I'm not. No, I'm asking you like, you know, you're sitting at your desk. You've had a drink. Maybe you've had two or three of them. You're editing. Does it get better or worse? Oh, I think it definitely gets better. <laughs> I, I, I have definitely found that if I have an especially long streak of editing that I need to do, it's much better if I have a, a nice whiskey or a nice wine. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if I actually got to the point where I like, couldn't walk a straight line, then I probably wouldn't be doing well working on a screen. But it, when it's nice and relaxing, it, it's much easier to be creative. You're, you're a lot less critical of yourself, I've found. Yep, yep. So yes, I would approve of a, of a decent, nice little cocktail. Or I definitely play a lot faster and looser when it comes to, uh, to culling photos specifically. Oh, yeah. Like, we don't need that. We can take this. This looks great. Yep. Do, 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 yep, do, do. I'm just not worrying about it. Yeah, you feel a lot more free. I, I totally approve of, of drinking while editing. <laughs> <laughs> not photographing, so. but editing. Yeah. I was working on the waterfall photos. Uh, the falls are called Templar Falls from the camping trip. Yep. Looping back to that now that we're out of the segment that has nothing to do with photography. Let's get back onto photography. I don't care. I like bantering. But uh, I was talking to my wife about the photos because I was very happy with them and I was very relaxed while taking them. So the photos now have a good association in my memory. Like I can look at those photos and remember taking the photo and enjoying that moment, which I can't say about all of the photos, even if I like the result of the photo. Does that make sense so far? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a connotation in your mind. You're not just hanging a photo up on the wall because it's a pretty photo. You're hanging it up there because you want to cherish what it represents. Right, right. And to me, this this photo is now, it reminds me of the first time I took my baby girl camping. And the first time we explore this area and that nice respite that we had in the middle of, you know, kind of a, a darker time in the country. So it has good associations with me. Um, but I also like the result of the photo itself. But I was looking at it and and I, I made a crucial mistake. I went onto Instagram and I started comparing myself to other photographers results of waterfalls and whatnot. Not that specific one. No, not that specific that's area. Because that's this a is, nasty this rabbit a, hole to go down. Oh, <laughs> this is a pr- pretty um, niche area, if you will. It's not like, you you know, if you go on to iStock or something, you're not going to find Templar Falls. It's a, it's a pretty small area. It's not like a landmark that people come from overseas to see. Um, it's not like Watkins Glen, you know? Right. So, uh, but I, I did make the mistake of comparing my general look 
of landscape photos to a lot of other photographers that I see. And I see a lot of other photographers hitting very moody or very light and airy sort of photos. And I realized that I edit completely differently, which led to a conversation of personal style, uh, personal creativity or your, your own look for your artwork, in this case, photography. And she and I had a, a long conversation about it. And I was thinking, I've got to talk to Chris about this too and get his thoughts on it. Because I wondered if people use the phrase, oh, that's just my style to cover up the fact they actually just suck. Ooh, ooh, that's fighting words. I know, I know. And I, and I don't want that to be true. So help me out here. Like, have you ever had a similar thought where you're, you notice that like you're, there is a consistent look to your work that's somewhat intangible and somewhat not able to be described, but you can see it. Like you, I can look at your, I can already do this with your work. I can see photos that you've taken and know that you took them even though they're not labeled or you didn't tell me you took them. Like I can see your look already and I can see my own look, mm -hmm. but uh, I also wonder like, is my, is, is my own look, bad but consistently bad or is it just different and like how uh have you ever asked that of your own work well i have kind of a hard time pinning down what exactly my style is because i don't think that i shoot in any particular way that you could label it as like a oh this is a light and airy or oh this is a dark and moody photo i only pick those two because they're kind of the the typical words that get thrown around when it comes to editing styles, at least in my experience. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I kind of think of it, it's not anything that's right or wrong. I mean, it's not bad to have a style, certainly if it's uh, a little bit more stylistic, I guess you could say, you know, um, it's just kind of one of those things where, you know, you could be a classic Coke, but maybe your client wants a Diet Coke, you know? See, I think Diet Coke is worse, though. That's just your preference. Some people prefer Diet Coke. It's hard to imagine that. Maybe that's my issue is that I got, I got to remember that not everybody thinks like that. But it still makes me wonder because the thing is I have seen people do this thing that I'm worried that I'm doing myself. And that's the, and I'm not I'm not asking for a podcast about oh poor Joe. I'm talking about the philosophy behind this is my style versus people excusing their own poor skill mm -hmm. where, where basically somebody would have uh they would be creating things and they really weren't good like what i guess i guess it's not something that you can say it is good or bad you're right but a large portion of the people who ended up viewing it did not enjoy viewing it okay okay yeah so well, and even that, I guess, you know, it's art, so you can't say that that means that it's bad or whatnot, but it's, it was generally unappealing, okay? It was undoubtedly generally unappealing. Sure. And they just held fast to, but that's my style. Uh, there would be, like, students in college photo classes who would take pictures of trash in their yard and say, yeah, I'm really drawn to the grungy discarded nature of these photos and it was so obvious that they were just being lazy and didn't want to find a better subject well here's the thing there's style and then there's taste and you can't have one without the other 
What do you what do you mean? This sounds interesting. So I mean, y- your trash example. I mean, that's not a very tasteful subject, but it could be shot in a particular style that that person feels kind of or speaks to them. It's a little column A and a little column B in my mind. So like, you know, you could have one particular style that you really like and you think is the best thing in the world. But if you're not taking photos in that style that really complement it, then of course, it's not going to be visually appealing to the masses. Go on. <laughs> well, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having a style. Um, but I think that it's kind of like a crutch to some folks. Like, if you're the type of person that just goes out and buys presets for Lightroom and then just throws the same one on every single one of your photos, then, yeah, that's a bit of a crutch. You're not really developing your own style. You're kind of replicating someone else's. You know, if you're kind of scared to tiptoe out of your own comfort zone or you're using that as like a backup, then, you know, I think that there's some creative muscles that can be flexed there a little bit, I think. Because, like, I I have some presets, but they're mostly just, like, quality of life presets. Like, you know, noise reduction, you know, adding a small vignette or something like that. Standard operating procedure presets. Right, exactly. Stuff that you would do to any photo, especially a raw photo where, you you know, you want to have a little bit more contrast to it. Or, you know, if you're bringing in a portrait, you might want to um, soften things up a little bit if there's a lot of skin tones uh, as a subject of the photo. You know, those kind of small... Uh, quality of life things that you would do for almost any photograph of that style. But I'm talking about, you know, your curve looks the exact same every single time. All of your HSL settings are the same, the exact uh, same time, every single photo like that. You know, if you're not really trying something new, then I, I guess it's okay. I mean, if your client's expecting exactly that on every single photo, then yeah, that's fine. But if you're shooting something like a landscape photo, I think that's a perfect opportunity to stretch out of your comfort zones and try something new. So then there becomes the conflict between wanting to try something new and maybe change your style versus keeping your brand consistent as a business. So like it's different when you're looking at it as a business versus as a creative outlet. Is that what you're saying? Oh, absolutely. When I take photos for myself, just as a creative uh, experience, they look completely different than anything that I would deliver to a client. How do you how do you free yourself to shoot and not think, will this be sellable? How do you how do you shut Uh, that part of your brain off? It's not my main source of income. Oh, You know, I'm shooting to capture something for my clients, obviously, but I mean, my clients are all happy people. You know, I'm a portrait photographer, so it's always, you know, couples in love at their wedding or, you know, a senior portrait. They're excited to go and head off into the future. I mean, I never take photos of like, I don't know, interiors of a house. You know, that's not my jam. I'm not doing it to sell something. I'm doing it to enhance these people's lives, to make them happier, to give them a positive experience. And there's a lot more about that than just, you know, hitting a preset button. Yeah. And and yet it seems like, I mean, maybe let's talk about presets for just a minute because it seems like most of the more successful photographers, like they have a, maybe not a preset, but it might as well be a preset. They have a moodier look or a really saturated look or a really high contrast look or a very desaturated light and airy look, like something that's very consistent and very much not what comes out of a camera, all right? Um, but it, it's, it's, 
it's something the the editing style is making the photo look more than what it looked like in real life seems to be the the trend that I see right now, especially with yeah. moodier looks. You know, they they alter the photo to the well, alters the wrong word, but they enhance what's in the photo to the point where if you like, they take a picture of a really beautiful waterfall, and if you went to that same scene, you wouldn't feel the same way as you did when they look when they saw their photo, and that is fine. It's not how I prefer to shoot. But I'm wondering, because I, I do minimal editing on my photos. That's my style as I try to make it as genuine as possible. I don't like to make it look anything other than what it actually looked like. But the camera doesn't always uh, succeed in capturing what you saw when you were there. So I enhanced the photos, the colors, the contrast, the whites, the blacks, to the point where it feels like it felt when I was standing there looking at that scene. But it seems like the really successful people take it well beyond that and they make a whole art piece with their, their photos. They take it beyond what was actually captured. And I see this in uh, uh, portraits as well. And I'm just wondering, is that is that really the only th way to appeal to an audience or clients, or is well, it just a two style? Different, different markets? You know, you have an audience, which is like you're following on social media. If you're putting these photos up on Instagram or wherever you'd like to post your photos and you're trying to appeal to an audience to gain likes and sponsorships, that's one thing. If you're doing it for a client who you know is going to be printing this out as part of like an art gallery or an exhibit or something like that, that's a completely different market. You know, if you're yeah. catering to an online presence, you know, you want the like, you want the click, you want the follow. If you're putting it up in a gallery or you're hoping to sell it, you want it to be almost like an expression of you as an artist. It doesn't necessarily have to be exactly that scene as it looks. It has to be your own interpretation of how it looked. Okay, so what about because and I know you said it's because you don't your income doesn't isn't determined solely by photography because it's not your full-time income uh, like it is mine currently. So that, that's, that's part of the reason why it's hard for me to turn that off is like, I'm taking a photo, meaning I have to figure out how to make money with this photo that I'm about to take somehow. But have you ever been in that case where you were like, I want to take photos and I don't want to think about how I'm going to make money with these photos, um, but still had to fight the urge to think about that? No, no, I really haven't. <laughs> Great. While I've been in the process of taking a photo, to be entirely honest, it, it never really occurs to me how I'd monetize it. You know, the, the end goal for a photo is always either to A, make my client happy, or B, make me happy. And if I'm at a shoot, I've already got the cash. So I have to focus at that point on making sure that my client gets a good experience or I get a good experience out of it. It's just my own personal taste that, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to please anyone apart from my client. Have you, but you've never, you've your never, your brain is having a real hard time know, with this I'm one. I know, I'm shorting out right now. Like what, 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 how can you not be in this mindset? But I'm trying to tap into it, trying to tap into your mind. 
Do you ever remember before you made a single dollar off of photography, what it was like to take a photo and just enjoy it for what it was instead of what it could be? No, I can't say I do. I'm not saying it didn't happen, but I, I don't remember. Even I taking, think that's the difference th is that for you, photography has always been a means to an end of generating income. For me, the income is a byproduct of a hobby that I really enjoy. Do you think it would change if you, uh, if you, if you entered into a new lifestyle where it was your main income or, or the, I think I'd enjoy important? it a whole lot less. Ouch. <laughs> Not meant to be a dig on you, but I mean, it, it's the same with any profession. You know, you always say, oh, I want to be a firefighter. Or I want to be a police officer or something like that. And then, you know. You never realize, you see all the glitz and glamour that goes into whatever your dream job is, but you never see the real nitty gritty of everything that goes into it. And yeah. for the time being, I don't want to delve into being a full-time photographer. I'm perfectly fine doing my business as a hobby and my photography as a hobby. Hmm. It's not encouraging because I'm still here. <laughs> the thing is, though, I it, it's interesting. I've heard a lot of photographers say that they would love to be able to do photography full time if they didn't have to also run it as a business. Like the thing that they don't like is the business aspect of it. Yeah. And I love the business aspect of it. You love I, SEO and you love... Well, SEO is its Managing own beast. Clients. But yeah, I love making sales and marketing and, you know, trying to meet potential new clients at bridal shows and thinking of ad campaigns and growing the business. I love doing that, but I genuinely like taking photos as well. And the landscape photos are what I, I mostly enjoy personally. I enjoy taking landscape photos more than I enjoy taking portraits, possibly because I've done portraits for so long as a business. And yet I still find myself, even with landscape photos, comparing my work to other people's work. Oh, you're never going to avoid that. Ah, but it should be avoided. You know, everyone's telling you like creatives, you should just shoot what makes you happy and you should never compare. And I don't want to compare, but like, it seems like so many people gravitate towards that moody or light and airy look, at least these days. And I've never gravitated towards it. I, I have had this consistent style for quite a long time. And I'm just wondering like, is that my style or did I plateau? So I was, I guess I was hoping that you would say, oh, I know what you mean, but apparently you don't at all. So. Well, I mean, like I said, if you're not pushing yourself, if you're not challenging yourself to try something new, I mean, there's so many photographers out there that I've listened to or talked with or anything like that, that say that their style changes every year or every two years. Really? Mm-hmm. But that might just be in an effort to sell their new preset packs. <laughs> it's a great, great strategy. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself, I hope the answer is not no, but it might be no. Have you ever found yourself looking at your work, portraits or landscapes or pictures of your family or your pets or whatever, looking at those photos and questioning whether or not they're actually creative? Like they're, they're technically good. The composition is right. You did the right things. So the photo looks right. I've definitely but, stumbled into a couple good photos before without really intentionally, you know, going through all the steps of it. 
Okay, well, that's not exactly what I mean. In the end, I don't care whether or not it's artistic, whether or not it was creative. I care about the end result of it and the experience that I had taking it. Oh, you're so much better at this than me. <laughs> I'm stressing <laughs> I, I, that way too much. I know it's very easy to seem kind of like, you know, laser focused on one particular shooting style and making sure that, you know, everything is accurate to, you know, what you sell yourself as. Like if you sell yourself as a very natural looking style photographer, then obviously you don't want to deliver a bunch of dark and moody photos. Hmm. I'm still trying to tap into your your psyche where you just, you don't worry about. I don't worry about a lot only, of things, Joe. I guess not. So you don't worry about, you, you have no concern about anything other when you're shooting other than if it's a personal shoot, your own experience. And if it's for a client, the client's experience, you have no other concern of like, all right, I've got to, you just, you just enjoy the moment. You don't think about, all right, I've got to take these photos because this might sell as a print and they'll want these photos for this purpose. And it probably helps that I don't have printing as a huge part of my, uh, my cycle right now. Don't let Vlad hear this, but, uh, <laughs> I, I'm still working out the logistics of like, you know, a client going on and, uh, you know, picking out whatever photos they want, like it, as it stands right now, and I know I have, a, I, I acknowledge that this is a bad system and I'm working to get better at it, but I haven't had that much motivation due to lack of shoots, but I'm trying to get it set up so that printing is more a part of my workflow. And as of right now, when a client wants a photo, they say, oh, can you get a print of XXX photo from this session? And I'll be like, okay, yeah, here are the prices. And I know that's bad. I know it's, you know, there's so many better avenues, but because it's not a huge part of the cycle for me yet, it's not a huge concern of mine. And if I was doing a lot of albums, then yeah, I'd think, okay, maybe I should get a photo of this thing as a background for the album, for instance. But I just try and live in the moment, you know? What, what about, I'm, I'm <laughs> really trying to find Oh man, you're losing it over that, there. Uh, I'm amazed at what I'm hearing here. Like you sound completely unconcerned with everything that concerns me on every shoot. It's amazing. Do you, do you, th what do, do you think about, is this photo going to enhance my portfolio? Like as you're shooting, like I want to take photos so that the client is happy, but I all, and I want to make sure that I have photos that they'll want to print. Maybe you don't think about those kind of things. Well, you think about making the client happy, but you don't worry about printed results or anything, just a good experience and a good result for the client. Do you ever think like, okay, but I want to make sure that I get something to add to my portfolio today because I want to be more sellable in the future. Like I want this photo to be a photo that will sell my services to the next client. You don't think about it as like, is this shoot going to grow my business next time? I try and think of it more organically as it happens. I mean, obviously you try and go out and get the portfolio shots. You want to get the wow shots. You know, you try and aim for at least one wow shot every wedding. You know what I'm talking about? Like the sunset yeah. or, you know, the beautifully lit portrait or the reflection or whatever the case may be. Uh, obviously, you try and go for those, but it, I try and let those things happen more organically. You know, if you try and force something to happen, it's not going to. And I agree with you there. I don't like to force things, especially at a wedding. I don't like to force things to happen. I like to capture them as they naturally are. But you don't even think when you're taking that wow photo, it doesn't enter your mind that that could be the reason why the next person books you or that could be 
the next sale that you make or I mean, I get really excited about how some photos turn out. And, you know, I definitely think like, wow, this is great. I'm definitely throwing this up on the website or, you know, this is going to go on the Facebook post or whatever. But you mostly just enjoy the, the photo and enjoy the memory of taking the photo. I have much better results when I'm enjoying taking the photo and when my clients are enjoying taking the photos than I would in any other scenario. If I'm there and I've got a checklist in my hand of, okay, now we need to get this photo where you're wrapping your arm around him. And now we need to get this photo of, no, that just does not work with my style. You know, it doesn't work with my shooting style. It doesn't work with my direction style or the flow. It just gets completely broken. Would you say the same thing for uh, non-client shoots, personal shoots? I mean, if I'm going to take a photo, I've got to be enjoying the moment. I don't think I've ever brought the camera out, set up the tripod in an opportunity where I wasn't really feeling happy in that moment. You've never taken an obligatory personal photo? I don't think that I have. I envy you, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell me about you, because obviously this is definitely going in the opposite direction of where you'd intended. So... You know, yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> you go into a shoot with the mindset of "I need a portfolio piece." Uh, I, because that was the first thing that you said when you sent me a photo of those waterfalls. Is this is going in the portfolio? That is what I said. Yeah, I can't seem to turn that business side of my brain off. And that was the other thing that Rhea and I were talking about. Cause she too was saying like, you need to just enjoy the photo for the experience that it was. And I'm like, I know, but every time, like I started, I, I started taking some photos and putting some photos on iStock and a few have sold actually. I mean, you get very little money per download, but you know, I got like three cool. bucks that I did no work for. So I'm like, that's cool. Um, and I'd like to put more on there. Well, it's me. So the instinct wasn't just, oh, as I get photos that I like, I'll put it up there. No pressure at all. I was like, no, there must be a goal. There must be a schedule. I will have this many photos by the end of the year, which means I need to do this many by the month and this many by the, the week and this many by the day. So let's that be doesn't realistic. Kill your creativity. No, when it you does. set deadlines for yourself, it I'm very good at working with deadlines. I'm very good at getting things done when I have deadlines, but the creativity is so spontaneous. I don't like those photos of the waterfalls. I, I was looking at them and I thought they were like, you know, this was a good photo. This is some creativity. And I was relaxed taking it. So I was very happy with them. And then when I got home, I was like, I don't know if they were actually creative though. They're, they're, they're good photos of the waterfalls, but it was like the right way to take a waterfall photo. Followed the rule of thirds, did a very long shutter speed, made sure there was something interesting in the foreground, like a log or something. And I'm just like, is it really creative? And then that's when Rhea was like, who cares? Like, did you enjoy taking it? Did you enjoy the photo? That's all that matters. I'm like, but I can't help but think... Is it marketable? I couldn't help but think like, will someone actually download this on iStock or will someone buy a print of this? And I wish that I could shut that part of my brain off when needed. I don't want to lose that part of myself because I think it's a good business skill, but I want to know how to shut it off 
when I want to just shoot for, like you asked me in a previous episode, have I ever shot a photo with no intention of showing it or selling it or promoting it or anything? And with the exception of, you know, photos of uh, Jade, I don't think I've ever done that. And you seem, it seems to be so second nature to you. I'm trying to, because I'm, I'm assuming that there's other people out there like me and there's other people out there like you. So like, what would you tell the, the me's of the world who are in this place where they're like, how do I turn the, the, the business aspect off when I want to just have some personal creativity time? By picking up a completely different art form. A completely different art form? Like not Joe, a camera? you're a photographer at heart. Put the camera down if you want to express your creativity and live in a world of no judgments. Try painting something. Try drawing something. Try making music. Do something you're not afraid of or you're afraid of doing and be totally okay with failing because you're a great photographer. You're probably not going to fail at getting a shot. You know, I, you may have plateaued at a certain point, you know, when it comes to your own style, you might feel that way, but try something completely different, something for you that you know has a 0% chance of making money, but it's something for you. Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> nope. Some, something that is 100% a Joe so high not, not even like production. something that I, I make to share with friends. I mean, you can end if the end result is you showing it with friends, fine, but that should not be the destination you're aiming towards. Do something that you're totally okay with screwing up with. Oh you know? man, I'm not okay with screwing anything up. See, I tried, I tried this with, um, wood burning recently. I have a little wood burning kit and I picked that up again in quarantine. I was like, I got to, do something. So I started making these little pictures and by burning the pictures into these little wood cookies, right? Of mountains. Cause I love mountains. Oh, like, like as a coaster. Yeah. Basically as a, like a coaster sized little wood piece. And I would, I would burn in a picture that I just freehand drew of a mountain scene. And the next thing that I thought of was, Oh, I wonder if somebody would buy these. I wonder if I could sell these on Etsy. I wonder if I made these of the finger lakes, if people would buy them in gift shops or whatnot. All right, and it here just you go, went Joe. right there. Here you go. You, I've seen those. You did a good job. You need to paint something or draw something. That is your homework and you're going to do it. And you're probably not going to do a very good job at it, which means you're not going to sell it. And I think that would be, a much better exercise for you in terms of flexing those creative muscles, getting yourself out of the box a little bit and trying something completely different. But what do I do with the project once it's done? Enjoy it. Burn it. Whatever you want to. Hang it up on the wall if you really like it. But don't share it? Don't sell it. Don't sell it. That's the key here. When your main goal is revenue, you're going to perform to a different standard than if your main goal was just to relax, pick up a paintbrush and have a good time. You've never watched Bob Ross, have you? <laughs> no. <laughs> do you know who is that he my is? Other homework? I do know who he is. Yeah. And I, I believe I saw videos of him when I was a, a child, but never anything recent enough to remember it now. I know who I know who Bob Ross is though. So, 
my recommendation to you is find a canvas, find a cheap little paintbrush or something like that. And it doesn't even have to be Bob Ross. Just paint something or draw something, but do it with the end goal of you enjoying it. Maybe your wife enjoying it. If you feel really proud of it, you can show it off to some friends, but selling it should not be your main goal for this exercise, Joe, because when you take and put a camera in your hand, your end goal will always be revenue. If you pick up a paintbrush, you're going to suck at it the first time and no one's going to want to buy it. And that's the point. You're doing it for you. Well, tune in next week when Chris is on the couch with Counselor Joe instead. But (laughs) (laughs) I do think that there is a potential for what you're saying in the medium of film photos. Of, of like 35 millimeter film, film that you develop. Sure. You're going to have because a whole it, lot harder of a time selling it. Exactly. Uh, especially if you use old film. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a good exercise too. What did you do with those photos though? Most of them are still negatives. They never got printed or anything. Did you enjoy the process of taking them? Yeah. And I enjoyed the process of developing them. Then that's it. That seems so That's it. You succeeded. Hmm. All right. All right, Dr. Chris. I think this has gone on long (laughs) enough. Well, I enjoyed talking with you. I hope that you do actually try a different skill set that makes you absolutely no money. But if I do, now I can't talk about it on the show because that would defeat the whole purpose because it would be working it into a sort of a business thing. It would be content. Oh, come on. If you do this, I want to, I want to report back. Okay. <laughs> Doesn't, don't think of it as, oh, I need to do this for content. Think I've got an hour or two. I'm going to pour myself a glass of iced tea and I'm going to do something creative. Or scotch instead of iced tea. That, sure. You know, if it makes you edit better, it'll probably make you draw or paint better. Well, I hope you guys have enjoyed our conversation today about, uh, all sorts of weird stuff. This definitely went in some, some odd directions, but, uh, Tune in next time and we'll see if uh, if Joe has managed to make no money off of something for the first time in his life. <laughs> You're probably the kid who had like three dozen lemonade stands every summer. Yeah, we sold cookies too. <laughs> there, there's yeah. nothing wrong with being an entrepreneur and having that spirit, but I think that it would help if you just take a second to step back and try something new. So give it a shot. Any of the listeners out there that suffered through the same problems, maybe give it a shot. Tell us what you think. Join our Facebook groups. And if you enjoyed this episode, then subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. I think that's all of them. We'll talk to you next time, guys. Sorry for that lawnmower that was going through the whole episode, too.